everyone, and welcome back to the Dr. Greg Jones Optimization Academy. I am very honored and privileged to have Dr. Richard Medier III as our guest today. For those who are in the NAD world and know about NAD, will know that Dr. Medier and his wife Paula are two of the pioneers of NAD therapy for addiction recovery here in the United States. Dr. Medier is a psychiatrist by training, uh, has actually been the co-chief resident of psychiatry at the University of Virginia Medical School and practiced uh, psychiatry for over four, for 39 years. And so he retired back in 2005 and then became, began to focus his efforts on addiction recovery. And back in 2008, as a chief psychiatric consultant at Springfield Wellness Center, Louisiana, that is where they pioneered a proprietary formula of NAD for the treatment of alcoholism, addiction, chronic and post-traumatic stress, depression, anxiety, and sleep disorders. So this again is an honor and a privilege to have Dr. Medier here with us today. And I'm gonna let him talk a little bit more about his background. Then we're gonna talk all about NAD. So I hope you guys are ready. Welcome Dr. Medier, how are you? Oh, I'm fine, especially in this year, but uh, thanks for the opportunity to talk with your, your group. Uh, and I always spread the information about NAD that we've been doing, probably for 20 years, this is our 20th anniversary, we've been working with the IV NAD. And we've, we've learned things, we, we don't know it all by any means, we're still learning, and there's more to learn, there's so much more to learn. It, it kind of boggles me, because see, I'm supposed to be retired, but I can't quit this stuff. I mean, I've got Cajun blood, which means I'd, I'd rather be hunting and fishing, and I can't get to it very often, So because there's so much more to learn. Uh, so anyway, thanks for the opportunity. No, thank you. We are honored for this today. So again, what we're going to do today is kind of talk you guys through the entity story and hopefully you get something out of this because I know I will. So before we do that, um, for those who don't know, what is NAD? Well, NAD is a, a coenzyme of niacin, one of the four coenzymes of niacin. Niacin is vitamin B3. It's the third vitamin to be developed and actually the story is very interesting. It turned out that niacin was a remedy for pellagra, which was an epidemic in the in the 20s, fair number of deaths. And there was a guy from uh, New York that said, look, diet might might cure this. They didn't know what was causing pellagra. Pellagra was, uh, was labeled the four Ds, uh, dementia, diarrhea, dermatitis, and death. <laughs> and it turns out that, that I think at first they found uh, by taking some liver extract and giving it to dogs, which had the, the canine version of pellagra, they were able to cure them. So they realized there was something in that liver extract and that's how they discovered niacin. So it's a very important, uh, very important vitamin. And NAD I think is the heavy lifter of all the coenzymes in that group. Um, I think today if we had a case of pellagra, and there are still some nutritional deficiencies around the world, if you gave them IV NAD, you would see amazing results as opposed to giving them niacin. That's just my thought. Okay, awesome. Now, that being said, we were talking before we started about how we learned about NAD in medical school in the biochemistry realm for, uh, in, you know, glycolysis and the TCA cycle and uh, helping produce ATP in the electron transport chain. But from a mental health perspective, how did you get started in using NAD clinically? Well, you know, I was, uh, my wife uh, had a member of her family who was, who was dabbling with alcohol, drugs, and so forth. She had a friend who, who um, 
had a knew a physician in, in, in another country and she called and and um the our it was my stepdaughter went down there got the treatment it was it was um proprietary formula and got better it, amazingly better and her cravings went away she became the designated driver and to this day she's never never had a substance abuse problem it's it's a long story conflicted story but eventually we were able to analyze that proprietary formula and felt that the active ingredient in there was nad it was through some 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 uh intel from both people that worked at the at the clinic and and, and a, a physician not a physician but a phd who got a treatment there that we figured it out then i started doing research on it was called DPN in the old days. It was not called NAD. Same name, same molecule, but different name. You look up DPN, you'll see some of the old research. A lot of that was done in South Africa. Um, and that was during apartheid, okay? <laughs> and so anything that came out of South Africa was poison at that time. And so it never got out there. Uh, and it turns out that the, the doctor we were working with in Mexico found out about it through a South African contact and started putting it into his formulations. Anyway, it's, it's an interesting science uh, mystery, but we figured it out and, and we've got plenty of data to say that that's the active ingredient uh, that was, you know, pre creating the most uh, benefit for patients. Okay, awesome. So again, our focus today is on NAD and mental health. But just so people get an overall picture, and I know you got an excellent PowerPoint that we're going to be sharing for those that are um, watching via YouTube, and we're going to obviously the podcast, you won't see it, but you can go to YouTube and see that. Let's talk a little bit about the overall benefits of NAD, and I'll just let you flow with it how you want to, you know, describe that, and then we'll sure. get into, yeah, into the, using for addiction and recovery and stress and fatigue and all that stuff. So. Yeah, the problem is I could talk for days, so I'm going to try to <laughs> summarize but it's, it's always helpful to look at the molecule. This is the molecule itself. It's a big molecule. We're still debating things. Um, we have published a study. It's a, it's, a, it's a pharmacokinetic study of IVNAD. And there were some interesting findings in that study, which I can talk about later. But it's pretty clear that, that it's such a big molecule. How does it get in and out? And it's probably, there is a channel, but in one of our, in fact, our latest conference, uh, Dr. Watson, who's a UCLA professor, he talked about th that particular channel that NADs has access to, but it, it's a gradient. So we don't think it, it probably really doesn't go into the cell, but its metabolites do very definitely. So in our PK study, we, we, we uh, pharmacokinetic study, we, we um, measured the metabolites and showed the changes in that. And we showed some changes in, at least in the red blood cell after giving IV and AD. Changes in, uh, and you know, we can go over that. Basically, my focus has been looking at clinical outcomes. I mean, I started this seeing clinical things that I didn't see anywhere else, not even knowing what it was that was doing that. <laughs> and uh, we've learned a lot, but I still don't know exactly how the IVNAD does what it does. But it, in my view, clinically, it, it, it works in a, in a different way, superior way to oral 
maybe the sub Q is, is pretty helpful, but nothing, I'd like to eliminate the IV if I could, but I haven't been able to do that clinically. So that's, that's why we're still searching. Um, this is a slide that, that by our colleagues, Australian Research Institute, we've been working with them for, you know, 10 plus years. Did, we did our research together with them and, and um, uh, they sent one of their uh, professors to work with us on three different occasions to get our, our PK study done. Um, and this slide is kind of going viral. You've probably seen it, probably seen it before because yep. it's, it's a good summary slide about NAD and it's now incomplete. Uh, and I haven't added the other piece. There's probably more than one piece. But basically, NAD, as we know, in the top left, energy production, that's where we learned about it in, in med school. And, and, and it's definitely involved in that. The, the pretty thing about NAD is it's, it's, uh, it goes around and picks up and scavenges hydrogens that are given off in our metabolic engine. And that scavenged hydrogen then goes into electron transport and basically produces ATP. So in, in, the, in, a, in a metaphor, it's like taking fumes from your car and producing gasoline. That's how I look at it. And that's basically in the mitochondria. So it definitely is fuel for the mitochondria. And we've, we've got many examples of, of uh, mitochondria dysfunction being improved by, by giving the IV and AD. Some really interesting clinical uh, examples. Um, but also the other things that, that a lot of the pi other pioneers, uh, Sinclair and Garantes and so forth, it's, uh, have talked about and others, many others, um, that NAD is involved in, in uh, DNA repair. It's the fuel that helps repair your DNA. We're constantly repairing our DNA. Um, it's, uh, the, the interesting thing there is that it, it, it uh, doesn't recycle the DNA, it uses it up. So when you're repairing DNA, you're using up your NAD stores. So the more repair you do, the more damage you do to your DNA, the more NAD you need. It may be part of the reason that as you get older, you're repairing more DNA, maybe why your levels of, D of NAD go down as you get older. That's been documented really well by the Australians that your NAD levels are very different, way different when you get, reach 55 compared to when you were five. Um, there's another group that we work with in out of University of Minnesota, the University of Minnesota uh, Magnetic Residence Group. They're they're one of the top uh, MRI folks in the world, and they have a, a seven Tesla MRI, and they can measure NAD levels in the brain and measure NADH levels in the brain. They can pick up that hydrogen through their uh, system, and um, they document it as well that levels drop as you get older. Uh, so that's been well documented by two different kinds of scientific efforts. And uh, I think it's pretty well accepted now. Um, so then you go over to gene cell signaling. There's, there's a tremendous importance with NAD and CD38. You know, and, and I talk about all these complex things. Look, I'm, I'm glad I passed biochemistry. I'm not a biochemistry nerd, but, but so people, Try not to be threatened by all these terms. Um, NAD is, is the fuel for, 
again for CD38, also CD157, also CD7. These are these CDs are, are ectoenzymes on the outside of white blood cells. Now, we, one of our talks, which we didn't get to because the doc had to be in the OR, was about the importance of NAD levels pre-COVID before you get the virus. I was waiting for that talk, but I, I hadn't heard it yet. We'll, we'll hopefully get that out. But it's pretty, impo pretty important that your immune system be in good shape before you get COVID, and NAD is very important in that. Um, uh, then you have sirtuin expressions. Um, that's what stuff that Sinclair's done a lot of work on. Uh, NAD is important for that. In both the sirtuins in the CD38 in the in the in the PARPs DNA repair, NAD is consumed. So those are huge consumers of of NAD. Um, the sirtuins are important, and I have one slide I'll show you about um, in relation to sleep which is real important. Um, then the, it's a neurotransmitter. When I first looked at this slide, we weren't sure, but now we know it's a, it's a neurotransmitter for smooth muscle in the gut. So if, you, if you've been on opiates, your opiate receptors in the gut have been corrupted for sure. When you give IV NAD to that group, they'll have a lot of muscle spasm, which you need to counteract with, with other things. Uh, and that can be a rate limiting effect of IV NAD, which is, is, you know, we're using it as the antidote for withdrawal. So, so you're, you're fighting, balancing, getting enough IV NAD in to counteract withdrawal versus the side effect of the smooth muscle spasm that you see in the gut. Um, and there's some things we use to help with that. Anyway, um, it's definitely a neurotransmitter. It's for sure in smooth muscle in the gut. Um, there's some good studies to show it increases uh, telomere length and that, both with the sirtuins and that, there's some anti-aging potential there. And then it uh, is also a cofactor in hundreds of, of redox reactions. Uh, the NAD traveling around, picking up scavenging hydrogen so they don't do much damage and putting them back into the energy uh, system. Um, it's really a pretty molecule when you, when you think about it, how, yeah. how it works. Oh, yeah. There's probably an arrow that needs to go for NAD levels in the gut to, to uh, help promote stem cell production. Um, but I don't know much about that. I've just heard about that. Um, awesome. So did you, did you have any questions about that slide? No, no. And I've seen this before and it's just, when you talk about benefits of NAD, it's great because you can talk about improving energy and anti-aging from the DNA repair and the gene expression with the sirtuins and um, helping with, you know, depression and anxiety and cravings with the neurotransmitters. Um, now, the one thing that, you know, I didn't know about the smooth muscle um, with the gut, with opiates and those, the contractions. So that's, and I've actually seen people when I give them NAD, they will get a little bit of, you know, a little gut ache or they may feel like they need to go you know, excuse themselves to go have a bowel movement because they're getting some increased motility when doing it. Right. Um, well, yeah, the muscle spasm can be a, a, a problem. We give tizanidine, which is a smooth muscle relaxer, to try to help that. I try. I don't use that many drugs per se, but that's one that helps. And, and for somebody who's super sensitive, we'll preload them with tizanidine beforehand. It's a short, it doesn't have a long half-life, so it lasts a short period of time. People have used 
Bintil and Cantil and those things, those are a little more powerful and they work. Yeah. And even people have used uh, Decadron, <laughs> but I don't, I don't, I, I'm actually conservative. So, so I try to avoid some of the high powered stuff. Um, yeah. And then with the redox side of it, just knowing how NAD pushes those oxidation pathways forward, that's as much as we talk about detoxification, it's like, all right, we have a way to improve our own natural ability to detox using NAD. So that's just an amazing thing as well. Yeah. Um, the, the, the other interesting thought, and I don't have the answer, I'm just putting it out there. If NAD stores a low in the body, which one of these processes gets sacrificed first? I do not know. But are you going to sacrifice energy production or DNA repair or gene expression or, or cell signaling or redox? That's, it'd be interesting to try to understand that. Maybe one day that will come to be understood. Okay, definitely. Well, excellent. So after that, so we got our overall benefits here. And so we can transition now into um, how NAD, you know, going talk about neurotransmitters, but more specifics on how NAD is beneficial for the mental health conditions and addiction and all that. Right. I'll, 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 let me just say one thing here. In this, in this slide, there's a, there's a nice piece in here. Uh, what we've seen with IV NAD is inflammation uh, is definitely down-regulated by NAD. One of the things that happens is when you have a lot of, uh, of of, of inflammation, there's a NF-kappa beta, an enzyme that gets turned, turned on and tryptophan gets shunted to NAD, okay? So with a lot of inflammation, your tryptophan is, is, tends to be going more toward production of NAD. In that pathway, there's quinolytic acid, which is toxic as well. But what happens to the serotonin and melatonin production from tryptophan? It gets sacrificed, I think. And that may be part of the reason why we see some antidepressant effects when we give IV NAD. We're reducing inflammation and maybe supporting the, uh, that tryptophan to serotonin pathway. Um, we've, we've had a fair number of experiences with IV NAD and, and um, uh, has, having an antidepressant effect. You know, if you've got structural problems with, your, with uh, receptors and so forth, NADs not going to be help help as much, but if if you've got inflammation as the cause, as a major factor, then NA, IV NAD will help that scenario, and you know then you get into patients with Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. We've seen benefits there. Again, dial down inflammation in the brain, you know, has some benefit, and NAD is pretty strong with that. Um, so. Before you leave this slide, there's something interesting on that salvage pathway for those who are, are listening. You know, uh, when NAD, obviously, like you're increasing NAD, it's got to go somewhere, right? So your body has to find a way to just like metabolize it and all that. And so from NAD to nicotinamide, uh, some things I was reading in the research is that takes a methyl factor to make that pro to move that process forward. And so the thought process I've been thinking about, okay, if I, you know, if I get someone pretty much, you know, loaded up on NAD via IV or supplementation, is that am I reducing um, kind of their methyl stores by doing that? And do, do I need to add, do I need to add something like a, uh, like a betaine or SAMe to help, you know, I don't want to fix one problem and cause another one, so to speak. And so is that something to take into account when we're doing, you know, like loading phases of NAD or higher doses of NAD? Yeah, absolutely. We, we, when we did our PK study, I mean, you're right. And that's, 
again, there's all these ins and outs. Mm -hmm. But we measured L-methyl, we, we, we real, measured, I mean, nicotinamide goes to methyl nicotinamide, and that's how it's, it's ex excreted. So you're taking methyl groups out of the system. And the patients that we had observed way back years ago that had the most difficulty uh, were double SNP MTHFR positive. I mean, they had, they had the MTHFR double SNP heterozygous. And what we'd see is that after four or five, they'd start feeling better, but then after five or six days, they'd start losing energy. And we've since learned, as you point out, that you want to maintain your methylation status. And IV NAD will interfere with that. So we give anhydrous betaine to everybody that gets an IV. We use, uh, we pick that, uh, but you could use, you could use SAMe for some, or you could use choline or other things, but we picked anhydrous betaine. We use the um, TMG, uh, it's a 500 milligram. It's just, uh, we calculated that's a pretty good uh, balancer of how much methyl groups you're gonna be taking. Uh, if somebody's got high homocysteine levels, you probably wanna give more than just 500 milligrams. So uh, that's part of our protocol. We, we give anhydrous betaine to everybody. Uh, when we give the IV. Right, thanks for that. I'm writing that down going right. forward. So, okay. Um, I think we're all done with this slide here. And I think we're kind of getting forward into more of the, um, I'm going to let you kind of run the show with this here. Cause I know I'm, I'm excited about this presentation. I almost don't want to intervene. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you know, I, I respond to questions. This is yeah. another cool slide. Okay. Uh, CD 38 is very important in producing oxy, in oxytocin release. So there's a pathway there that when you're, when you're low in NAD, which and CD8 is a huge consumer, CD38 is a huge consumer of NAD, then you're probably affecting oxytocin release. Uh, and th then you get some impaired social behavior. I, I consulted on a case of someone with autism and and this person really got a very good response. He was a young, young man, uh, probably five days of IV and AD, uh, not big doses, but they don't, cause they don't tolerate it. And he, his socialization improved his, you know, he, he definitely, and the family was very pleased. I have not treated myself, any, any people with autism, but uh, there's a, there's a, there's something to be worked out there, I think. Awesome. Um, another helpful slide, and th this is something we see, you know, regularly, um, and this is involves the sirtuins, but you have this supercosmic nucleus, 20,000 pacemaker neurons in the brain, but NAD, they're dependent on NAD. It, it drives that clock valve system um, through sirtuin, SIRT1. And we see commonly people with sleep difficulties. They, even after one IV, their sleep begins to, to correct, and they sometimes will have the best sleep they've had in quite a while. Um, so we see sleep definitely responding, and that's probably the mechanism uh, of it there. Um, and, and again, it's always what you don't know that you don't know that bothers me. <laughs> Yep, exactly. Um, and I've seen that too with patients saying their sleep got, has gotten better after NAD. So it's good to know this part of it on why that happens so that we can actually explain that best we can. 
Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going, I'm skipping some slides. I'm going over just the, the high points. This is an interesting slide and we've seen that play out clinically. Um, if you cut an axon, um, you, even though it's got bud supply in about 36 hours, it's, it's going to be dead or not functioning. If you bathe that axon in NAD, you can preserve 70 plus percent of the function in 36 hours. So it's, it's definitely neuroprotective. And we've had, it can work both ways clinically. Somebody has a, an old uh, neuropathy, an old nerve injury. When we give the IV, we'll wake that up. Um, and they may have actually some more pain initially, but then we may keep, if we keep working it, they get to some repair, okay? A great case of a kid with a migraine who had, uh, you know, extreme procedure with uh, burying his nerves in his temporal region, cut, cutting nerves and so forth. Uh, and and he, it eliminated his migraine. Well, uh, with just some nasal spray, it reactivated those nerves and his headaches came back. But there's a counter to that. We've seen, we've seen NAD be helpful with migraine as well. I mean, there's, there's a lot of anecdotal information about that too. And um, anyway, so I think it is, has neuroprotective properties. We need to know more about that, all of that. Um, this, this is a slide from a study we did years ago. We presented to Society for Neuroscience and it shows what we see all the time and what we titrate for. And that is self-report cravings go away pretty much. If we don't see them going away, there's either two things happen. We haven't given enough or the, the patient's still using and not reporting it. Of course, you can pick that up in a blood test. But generally, we see cravings and we titrate to that. We, we want no cravings when they leave. Now, eliminating cravings is helpful, but it's not, you don't eliminate addiction by eliminating cravings. There's other factors that are going in, involved. And people make choices that may not be craving driven, but but they make choices based on the, the crazy thoughts in their head. Um, so let me see what else. Some of our early pioneering stuff, uh, 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 pilot stuff, we looked at a metabolite of, um, of uh, oxidative stress, 8-isoprostane, it's a prostane, it's given off as a result of uh, stress. So the higher the stress, the higher the, the redox, the higher the 8-isoprostate. So we, we measured in alcohol and opiate patients, we measured that 8-isoprostate, and then we compared it with healthy samples of plasma and showed that, as you would predict, their, their oxidative stress levels are up. Then we, we measured them after four days of IV NAD, and then after uh, 10 days or eight days, however long it took, and we showed a drop. The interesting thing, which remains, as you, as you answer one question, you raise more, right? Always in research. The interesting thing is we saw two patterns, and, and uh, the alcoholics who you thought would have more oxidative stress, they kind of leveled out. But the opiate patients, they continued to drop. And so we don't know where that in levels out. That, that research hadn't been done yet. Um, but we know that we reduce oxidative stress, and this is a marker that, that shows that. Um, what else? Uh, 
we showed by giving IV and AD, you raise, uh, we took alcohol patients, you raise NAD levels. More importantly, you raise the NAD, NADH ratio. That's what you really want to do. You want more NAD available than, you want more available. Uh, if the ratio is low, you have to then convert NADH back to NAD. And that's a little cumbersome. You want NAD ready to go out there and pick up that hydrogen and do or that signaling uh, thing. NAD, NADH is, is primarily just, you know, it's, it's fueling the electron transport system. Um, uh, but there may be signaling aspects to NADH. There's, there's, again, it's what you don't know that, that bothers. Anyway, we showed it both for alcohol and opiate patients. Again, the NAD NADH ratio in that third slide goes up. Um, very, very important. The other piece, and, and this is now presented in a, in a talk in our, we just recently had a summit. We've got two days of talks that we've actually bundled together and people can, can per purchase. Everything we did with this summit went to research. We, you know, I, I've been researching for, you know, six years. I never got paid. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a freebie. So, uh, we're trying to raise money for our research. We got about three or four research projects ready to go if we if we can get money in our NAD Research Inc. Uh, anyway, what we showed in in our original in our PK study, these are with healthy people. We showed it in 30 minutes. You get a significant and important rise in nitric oxide, 75. Minutes. And then over five days, you see a sustained effect of increased nitric oxide, because the red is, is basically NAD IV and the, and the blue is normal saline. So we were comparing pairing those two. We probably needed more normal saline in the group, but anyway. Uh, so nitric oxide has its, has its benefits, obviously, and there's a lot been written on that. We think NAD is to nitric oxide. Um, I see my internet. There we go. We're okay. Um, so there's some other, a lot of stuff from our pharmacokinetic study, but I'm going to go over just some, let me, let me find it, some, um, some findings. We did a, done by a, a, a PhD, She's a, she teaches and does research. At a, at a university. And we did a microcog testing before we did the, the, the volunteers, healthy volunteers. So we did neuropsych testing before, and then we did it after. And we showed a significant increase in the NAD group in global cognitive function, global cognitive processing, and interestingly, in information processing speed and accuracy. Now, you talked about sub Q. If you give, if you do somebody, give somebody sub Q, what we've discovered uh, regularly is the procrastinatory tendency kind of goes away. You think about something and you do it. <laughs> that's what we've observed. We think that's related to information processing speed going up. Now, all these things are, are going to be transient, but it just shows there's an effect there that, you know, hopefully we can optimize. Um, those are, those are the salient points. I'll ha I'm happy to send you 
if you give me your email, I'll send you a copy of this slide presentation. Oh, don't worry. I will be asking for that. So, and I want to kind of summarize this a little bit on the detoxification process when it comes to, you know, detoxing from alcohol or opiates or any other type of drug is that if I'm understanding you correctly, is that one of the main things that NA, NAD is doing is actually reducing those withdrawal symptoms and actually uh, with the detoxification is... Uh, I guess with that is reduction of withdrawal symptoms and helping to get restrained, uh, re, uh, restore brain and body function. But is it the, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say here, is it the fact that because of the, you know, NAD is helping to lower those symptoms during the detox, that it allows that to be more successful? Or is there another mechanism of action in which NAD is helping with the detox slash um, cravings pathway when it comes to that? Well, you know, there's, there's, there's a new talk, a new idea in our conference. It's, it's called the adenosine hypothesis. And I'll send you copies of, the, of that conference. Um, and of those two days, it's an interesting theory. But how we're, you know, what we see, and we see this consistently, is that cravings go away and mental clarity returns. And we have detoxed quite a few alcoholics, some of them are really intoxicated when they come. We've never had anybody have a withdrawal seizure and we've never had anybody go into DTs and we've had, and we had to transfer them to the hospital. I, you know, why is that? I'm, I'm not totally sure for sure, but we, we do cover them in the initial days with some anti-seizure meds. Uh, we don't really use benzos unless we have to. We use gabapentin, we use uh, valproic acid and that kind of stuff. But I think, I think the NAD helps uh, first by, you know, reducing the inflammation, again, the oxidative stress that these folks are under. And I think it helps to remodel some of the receptors. Specifically, I think we help with glutamate system, the glutamate excitability. Um, and because we see that across the board I would like to, again, do some research into that, <laughs> but, you know, I got, a, I got too many things to research. <laughs> so um, I think we're helping to, to remodel the receptors. That's what I think, and, you know, um, and I think we're reducing oxidative stress. But generally, commonly and expectingly, we see people with very, almost no cravings, if, if no cravings when they leave, and mental clarity that they haven't had in years. Uh, how long that lasts, that varies. Patients frequently need boosters in about a month mm -hmm. or three weeks, six weeks, we don't, we don't know, it, it varies. It depends on how much damage has been done. And if they get regular boosters and, and continue, you know, the, the detox is only phase one, then that's working a program. And mm -hmm. the programs are, there's so many different programs but it's important to work a program. And it's, again, it's finding one that works for them because what, what works for one doesn't work for another. So we're constantly searching for that. But keeping the brain, you know, without, with, with minimal cravings and reducing also this post-acute withdrawal syndrome, we see that happen as well uh, with the IV and AD. That's the real benefits in the addiction. So they can then move into their recovery program um, and, and work it. And I think you made a great point there that I don't want to miss out on is that, and I tell my patients this all the time when it comes to NAD and a lot of other therapies I do is that this is a tool 
powerful tool, but it's not the transformation. It's, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to do this NAD and walk away. It has to be part of a comprehensive program when it comes to counseling and diet and reducing stress and having a support system. And it's an ongoing thing. So it's not a fire and forget kind of thing um, with a lot of these people when it comes to addiction and anxiety and PTSD and other conditions. So it's part of that package and part of the program. So it's not just NAD and walk away. And I think that's important for people to know about this. Right. Absolutely. I mean, look, it's only one molecule. It's not, <laughs> yeah. it's only one molecule. The, the challenge is how to work with it with other things. And what we're seeing is it's very synergistic because it's basic. You're working at the mitochondrial level. You're working at the cellular level, the signal level. So the examples would be we've seen benefits with hyperbaric. You do the NAD, then hyperbaric. We've seen benefits with uh, people are working in the ketamine space with, with NAD. Um, people are using ozone with NAD. There's all these other things. It's such a basic thing. And that's where a lot of new information will come is how to optimize uh, the NAD. And I've tried to just stay focused on NAD to try to drill down into that space. But I'm, you know, always interested in other ways to combine this with other things. So uh, even good psychotherapy. We had, a, we had a patient who was in analysis for years. He got IV and AD and his therapist, his analyst said, look, you're finally beginning to put things together. I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. Uh, it's that kind of thing. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, you mentioned uh, glutamate a little bit earlier, and I think that's a good transition in using NAD, well, the benefits of NAD with anxiety and PTSD. So I don't know if we're ready to transition into that. But sure, sure. Yep. Yeah, we've got, you know, on our website, we got testimonials, and there's nothing, it's all the real deal. And uh, we noticed early on, we had a patient who was, was addicted to heroin who was actually using heroin to probably monitor modify his PTSD. And um, he was a war veteran. And we weren't focused on PTSD at that time. But after about his third or fourth day, which again goes with this sleep re restoring, he came out and said, you know, this is the first, first night I've not had a nightmare. And he was a, a patient and he's happy to talk to people about his experiences that um, would require boosters once a month. He had definitely had PTSD. And if he did not get boosters, he would um, pretty soon be grabbing the steering wheel while driving down the road, mm. anticipating IEDs, you know, on the side of the road. And his sleep would deteriorate. And before you know it, he'd be, he'd be uh, in, in rough shape. But with one IV, that would reset. It would reset him for maybe three weeks, maybe four weeks, maybe six weeks. Over probably four years or five years, he's now down to maybe once every year and a half or something like that. Wow. And he's off the 14 drugs that the VA had him on. He's off. The only thing he's on is IV and AD. He's been wow. a really remarkable learning case for us. We've seen it with others as well. If somebody has, I think, a lot of inflammation in the brain, again, that's, that's responsible for their PTSD or that's involved, we can really help that. Um, I think we also dial down sympathetic excess. We've seen that. We balance the sympathetic parasympathetics, I think, because we've seen, we've seen in mitigating withdrawal, we've seen, we've seen that effect. We've seen it in PTSD. 
We've seen it in, in partial complex pain syndrome where they have a lot of sympathetic excess. So we, I think it helps to, to modulate the, the sympathetic excess system. And I think it helps to modulate the glutamate system as well. Awesome. Awesome. Now that actually is, you mentioned getting off the meds and that's a question that I get a lot from patients and this is kind of twofold. It's like, okay, I hear what you're saying about the benefits of NAD and how the therapy is going to help and a little bit of the background on why, but the question will be like, okay, like what, okay, we're going to do this series of IVs and then what's the next steps? And by that is, is this something I need to do the rest of my life? And I think you kind of explained that's going to be different with every person with, you know, it took four years to get this guy to the point where he's once a year. And then the other part is like, okay, I'm on these medications. Now I'm on NAD. How do I get off of these medications? And that may be more of a team approach. But it's just for us as a practitioner, it's like, you know, it's, it's kind of like we, and I talk about this all the time in med school, it's like we, we, you, you teach me how to put someone on a supplement or a medication, but there's not a lot of time on how to get you off of that. Yeah, um, well, as always, it's so individualized. Yeah. First of all, if the medicine's doing them some good and not doing them harm, then maybe they need to stay on. Right, you, right. You, 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 there's always that option. It may be correcting something. I would prefer to do it nutritionally if possible. Mm -hmm. But, so, you know, sometimes that doesn't happen. I mean, I'll give you an example. So, you know, I'm, I'm certified in Suboxone, and we use it to help detox opiates. And every now and then, there'll be somebody that really needs to stay on Suboxone. Mm -hmm. um, but there are a lot of them that are able, able to get off and get off pretty, pretty well. There's pretty, uh, only been one or two that really struggled, and they needed to stay on with Suboxone. Um, so I'm not anti-meds, but... I, you know, it's really whatever works. Right. Right. Gotcha. So, so now before we let you out of here, we're going to talk a little bit more on the, the treatment side of it as well, because again, this goes down to, you know, you, you look at, you get on the internet and you look at different clinics and what they're doing, but I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, like dosing of NAD uh, again, and then, you know, as in dosing and timing, as in we talked about 10 day, five day, frequency of that, just more on the clinical aspects of it. obviously not giving, you know, super duper detail with that. But I know that when I was initially trained, I was like, okay, you want to consider 250 milligrams in the anti-aging kind of like um, make you feel good space of it versus 500 milligrams gets more into the uh, neurotransmitter uh, cognitive portion, co cognitive portion of it. And then getting it to 750 and above is more on your addiction and like more treatment resistant anxiety, depression. Have you seen a difference in like the dosing of the NAD versus what it benefits? Yeah, all over the place. It's, I mean, yeah, it's like yeah. you got somebody that's two people that are different. I can tell you about a pair of, I mean, twins, identical twins, 90-year-old. One's in the nursing home with Alzheimer's. The other's playing tennis. So <laughs> obviously oh, they wow. started with the same DNA, basically, but it's what happens to you. So it's very variable. One thing one important thing to mention, I'm glad you brought it up, is that the quality of the product is important. We've used five different IV products, um, and we found that a couple of things are important, and, and it's working with your compounding pharmacy about it. You really want pure product. We've seen a difference, 92% versus 100%. It's a difference of 1,000 milligrams a day sometimes to get the same clinical effect. Um, also, the stability of the NAD is important, and some of them, they'll talk a little bit about that. But you want a very stable form of raw material, and then you want 100% purest NAD if you, you can get it. 
it, it makes a difference. And obviously you want it well, you know, prepared for IV use without bacteria, you know, uh, fungus and all the things that have happened in, in other preparations, like the steroid debacle of New England compounding. You don't want that. So it's important that, that those things be considered. Then um, you move to, to dosing. The idea is, the assumption is, and look, we're, we're also working on trying to get accurate levels of NAD. I don't think anybody's got it quite figured out yet. And we've been drawing blood levels, plasma levels, and whole blood of NAD for years, and we see it all. We, we haven't got it figured out. Mm -hmm. um, but the assumption is that your levels are low. And so you want to kind of uh, upload them in the first couple of days. Our, our biggest doses is would be 1,000 to 1,500 milligrams for the first couple of days. I think addiction patients require a little more than say uh, a Parkinson's or a PTSD. Um, and then you just, Listen to your patients. That's who you learn from. You, you learn not from me. You learn from your patients. They tell you what's what's going on, uh, and and you you titrate based on that. Um, real, realize also with with the IV, it may take two days to achieve the benefit from that particular IV that you gave two days ago. We see a delayed effect. I'll use an example of my wife. She had post Katrina brain. <laughs> you know, PTSD, she came to me crying saying, oh, I got Alzheimer's. I said, no, it's just stress. We gave her four days, but it wasn't until the sixth day that her brain just came back. I mean, she was on point, her anxiety was down, her, the mood got better and she just felt great. And she's still a, she's still a responder. She gets IV NAD fairly regular. Um, so, uh, those are important things to consider. I don't, I don't know if I answered your question. But. No, it's, it's all going to be individual based and, you know, case by case thing. But just knowing that, you know, there'll be different levels and expect it's not the big point to make is that don't expect this to be like a one treatment and, hey, I'm good kind of thing. It may take a series and having to do it more frequently. And um, and again, listening to your body and how you're responding and saying, OK, because, again, how do you feel after this treatment? You know, how are you, you know, one thing I've been doing is, especially my anxiety patients is using a G87 so we can actually, you know, quantify that improvement as well. Sure, you know, that's good. Yeah, checking on the sleep and all these good things as well. Um, now, one thing that we have to, don't want to miss this is just like, just knowing that, hey, this isn't an easy, it's all oh, great. I'm like, oh, I just want to do some NAD. And it's like, okay, well, just know this isn't a gentle IV. Um, it can be very uncomfortable for a lot of people. And doing it and so I guess my question would be is how do you either mitigate that or try to explain patient explain to patients what to expect during the treatment yeah we we we're now you we use pumps whenever we can to regulate the rate mm -hmm. and so you, you really got a couple of concentrations you can work with the most common concentration that we work with is one and a half milligrams per cc <clears throat> I personally don't I tolerate one milligram per cc I don't tolerate one and a half very well. And you just go slow and you titrate. They don't have to hurt. <laughs> you titrate to, and it, it, you know, in our PK study, what we found is a lot happens in the first two hours, like that nitric oxide thing. You know, that was in 30 minutes, you had a significant bump. So a lot's happening. You're getting a lot done 
and then uh, so uh, keep it keep it slow, keep them comfortable. Um, uh, we've we've lately been adding caffeine for those that don't tolerate very well. Some people have really like that, either in the form of tea or 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 coffee, or some people have used oral caffeine tabs because. Again, if you look at the adenosine hypothesis theory, which we're still debating, um, if you give a adenosine blocker, which is what caffeine is, you may mitigate the effects. The question will always be, well, if you mitigate the side effects, are you mitigating the, the clinical benefits? And that's, that's, again, you don't know. But, right. but at least if they can't tolerate the IV, it helps them to Okay. So slow caffeine. Again, we, we use the anhydrous betaine. Uh, okay. I think that helps. Uh, we give calcium, magnesium, and potassium with everybody. It's an old formula Puritan's Pride came out with. We've been using that for years. They're cofactors that help. I've heard recently some people are putting magnesium in the bag. I don't add anything in the bag with NAD because I'm concerned about shifting it to NADH, and I'd rather be giving IV NAD rather than IV NADH. Um, and the other thing is only in normal saline. <laughs> I got a call from a doc who had a patient with hematuria. I said, well, what did you do? Well, she put NAD in, in sterile water. Well, that's what caused the hematuria. Mm -hmm. We've never had hematuria with IV NAD. We've treated, you know, thousands of patients. Um, and you know, ten thousand easily ten thousand plus IVs. Um, so uh, only a normal saline, nothing else in it. Anhydrous betaine, calcium, magnesium, potassium supplementation. Uh, those are the sort of important things. And and um, um, there's probably some other stuff I'm, I'm leaving out. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, no. And again, we were talking, we can talk about this all day. Like this is just literally the tip of a ginormous iceberg. Here right. One right. thing I want to circle back on is you mentioned the one to one and a half milligrams a milliliter of NAD. And that is we're talking um, in the saline bag or a concentration of the NAD just to make sure we're. Yeah, it's, in, it's concentration of saline. And I try not to infuse more than 200 milligrams per hour, okay. 200 to maybe 225. Look, the alcohol patients we think are really depleted in NAD because for every molecule of ethanol, you need three molecules of NAD. So if you're drinking a fifth a day, you're, you're going to be consuming a lot of NAD. So they're low and they'll like, it's like a sponge for them. You start putting NAD in them and they like suck it up. They want more. They'll, they'll want 3000 milligrams in a day. If you, if you, if you got the time and all that. Mm -hmm. So some people are clearly more depleted than others. And that's what I hope we'll get to where we can measure a level pretty, you know, point of care level that's accurate and we'll have a better idea of what to do. Now, one of the last questions I have for you is in between treatments, are there anything, um, obviously every patient's different again, are there any supplements or um, treatments that you consider doing? Like say, Hey, I did my, did my series, I've done my five, done my 10, I'm gonna see you here in a month. Is there anything that you recommend in between, whether it be the, you know, the betaine or uh, NR, NMN or sublinguals or, you know, what would you, obviously yeah, everyone's different again, yeah. But. We developed a whole bunch of products with okay. this pharmacy we work with. And um, we have, we have sub-Q shots, some people like that. We have nasal spray, 
We have we also have uh, sublingual NAD tablets, and I've used some NR in in, in NAD, and this there's a place for that. Um, I haven't used the NMN yet, but but I'm you know it's just so many moving parts. Uh, uh, we use um, and then we use the IV when we when we need to. We're also you'll see in this in this um, summit. We're also developing a new way of de delivering NAD through a sphena, uh, a catheter into the deep into the nose. It's in the it's adjacent to the sphenopalatine ganglion, way posterior beyond the superior terminates, and it's a procedure that we're we're liking. We're, we're getting some inf interesting information. We've we develop a, a formula with a little bit of lidocaine to to take care of the burning. You'll see that in the in. We've had some patients really get some good responses to that. I'm talking about uh, Parkinson's, uh, TBI, um, anxiety, even patients that we can't detox with, with the IV because their veins are shot, which is why they're in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they can't get any more veins. We can mm -hmm. detox them with that, that procedure. It's called a sphenopalatine uh, nasal cannula procedure. And uh, you'll see it. It's they feature it in one of the, one of the talks in our summit. Yeah, that sounds uh, it sounds intense. <laughs> sounds intense. <laughs> sounds like something I. Yeah, just the thought of. It. I mean, I had enough fun with the COVID nasal swab and imagining that. But yeah, that's definitely another way to consider. No, the, you, that test is not as bad as the COVID. I've had. Oh, okay, great, great. It's not. It's not. It's not, it's not that bad, and it's a, you know, it's a two. 10 second procedure, you, you lie still for 20 minutes. So in 30 minutes, you're done. Okay. As opposed to an IV lasting eight hours. Yeah, exactly. Um, next question, one of my, I keep saying next question because I have thousands. I'm trying to cut myself short here, Dr. Medier, but are there any patients that you would not give this treatment to or contraindications? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I avoid, in the literature, they talk about Gilbert's disease which is a, a, a liver disease. Uh, it's, it's contraindicated, although I have a physician who, who has Gilbert's and he took it. One of the strategies is to use it pre-op to get your cells ready for, for the onslaught of the knife and then post-op. And he didn't have any side effects. In our, in our pharmacokinetic study, we measured uh, bilirubin we showed a, a transient rise in bilirubin, uh, which was not clinically significant. And that's probably where Gilbert's disease would come in as be something you'd want to watch bilirubin. Now, in that study, we also showed that, that liver enzymes statistically went down. And these are in normal people. And we see that all the time. People would be, yeah, well, yeah, again, we see a, a, a real benefit to alcoholics who have liver disease. We've had some patients that were on liver transplant list go off the list. Of course, unfortunately, they didn't stop drinking and they got back on the list. Yeah. We kept, but they, they, they really do well. Uh, we, we really do help liver disease. We got a, one of our staff members right now who's working, has had a liver transplant and she's been doing IV and AD and, and, and her numbers, her rejection numbers are going down. We're, we're, see, we're seeing benefits and our doctors seeing benefits. Again, these are just things that we haven't explored enough. There's more, there's more and more to explore. Um, 
Uh, yeah, as I said, I could talk about this stuff all day. Oh, I know. I think the one uh, contraindication, and I almost yeah. had a patient in the chair, was uh, he had a glioblastoma or a brain tumor. And I don't know, as I felt like someone's like, yeah, I need to look that up. And I actually got on PubMed and saw a lot of cases where there's discussions about not using NAD with that particular yeah. form of cancer because it, you know, it basically DNA repairing the whole mitochondria. It's feeding the cancer, that particular one. But I didn't see anything with any other forms of cancer. Just yeah, the, good. that's a good point. We don't give it to somebody with active cancer. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. we don't. There's a debate and it's a raging debate. Some people say it would help your immune system to fight the cancer. And it also repletes the stores because cancer is going to use NAD. If you, if you, but in glioblastoma, interestingly, the group we worked with in Minnesota, they could take a, a glioblastoma patient that had a resection, and they could go in with their MRI and find out where they were, where they missed cells that were missed by lower levels of NAD, higher levels of NAD in that area, which is pretty interesting resolution of their technique. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't give it to glioblastoma. Uh, you know the high the high robust cancers. Uh, I, we don't we we avoid it when somebody's got active cancer. In terms of causing cancer, we haven't seen any evidence of that. Right, exactly. So, well, this has been great, awesome. I was sitting here like a student, so I appreciate that. So hopefully, I didn't. It wasn't too quiet. I was like, yes, talk more. Give us more. Give us more. I was very excited about that. So before we let you go, how can we find you? Yeah, um, you, I'm at, I work at Springfield Wellness Center. You can call there um, and they can put you in touch with me. Um, we do do training. I train people uh, either remotely or they come and visit us for two days, which is really, really pretty good and, and see the ins and outs of what we do. Um, I'm always, again, working on research projects and um, uh, happy to partner with people about research stuff. I mean, again, we're just trying to understand this molecule better. You guys are in Louisiana, correct? Correct, in Springfield, Louisiana. We just moved into a new gorgeous facility. We've got, awesome. we've got uh, a bed and breakfast embedded. We've got, we got about five uh, bedrooms with baths. We got 10,000 square foot facility. We got a research facility next to it. We got swamp grounds. We're on a bayou that, that uh, full with cypress and hanging moss. And you really feel like you're in Louisiana when you come here. All right, any, any gator sightings? Oh yeah, there's the two gators that, that are in the front of the property. Oh, <laughs> I will keep that in mind if I decide to <laughs> it's like, hmm, be on the lookout for those gators. I, I, I'm, yeah. Never, maybe an irrational fear. I think it's a very rational fear of alligators, but you know, I'm also not from. No, Louisiana. no, they're 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 <laughs> look, they're predators. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. Okay, well, thanks again, Dr. Medier. I really appreciate this for my listeners out there. I hope you gain more information about NAD and how it works and how it could benefit you or someone in your family. I'm very excited for this again, and hopefully, we'll have you again very soon. Maybe we can bring Paul in too and just make it a whole conversation if she's still doing things like that. Yeah, we'll she's, she's, she does better than I do on this. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this was great. This was still great. All right, everyone. I uh, hope you uh, will keep following and listening, and we'll see you here soon. Thank you.